You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Hangout. As part of our industry leader series, today we will be be talking with Jeff and Elizabeth Richardson, who are the owners of the Organic Flower of Life Company. FOL cultivates and processes 100% pesticide-free cannabis, and they use living soil. They're also known to be one of the very few pre-packaged processors in the state. We're super excited to have them here, so please welcome Jeff and Elizabeth to the Cannabis Hangout. Welcome, guys. Hi, thanks. We're so glad that you guys are here and that you just like took time out of your day to come talk to us. So we appreciate that. Yes. Um, We're just going to kind of jump right in and we want to know, just tell us where your journey with cannabis began. Like you can individually answer them together, whatever you'd like. Uh, Mine goes back pretty far, you know, Um, tried it probably at age 16, you know, with my that's a common crazy. answer. Age, yeah, age, age right. 16 is a very yeah. common answer. Yes, right. yes. Um, didn't really become a regular user until I was about 20. Um, so somewhere around 20, and I had friends that I hung out with that were regular users. And uh, I didn't, didn't really partake, and then it slowly started, and then eventually became a daily thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, man, back then it was all we could get was this stuff from Mexico that yeah. was about the size of a VHS tape. Yeah. Picture the size of a VHS a brick. Yes. A brick. <laughs> and it would come wrapped. We would buy a pound. Me and my buddies would all split it. And it would like it'd be wrapped in electrical tape. And then that would have like plastic over it. And then oh, wow. sometimes there would be like hot sauce. And then so illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so it crazy. Was just terrible. And it's like it was so hard. You could throw it on the ground and it would bounce around because it was literally a brick. Right. That's it's been in that position for so long. <laughs> so crazy. Chisel pieces of it off, you know. Wow. It was just that was that was what, two thousand eight or nine or something, yeah. you know, wow, and that's yeah. all we had for probably the first five years I used. Was it that. like got the job done though. So you were yeah. like, oh, yeah. unfortunately and that's what it was right. back then. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, at a party somewhere here or there, like someone would start showing up with, oh, we've got this drove from, you know, yeah. from Cali, you know, and you try that and I'm like, holy crap, this is a different. This is not game changer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is not the same thing. Wow. So, uh, I was basically you know, stuck with that crap in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> when we, somewhere around the time Colorado legalized, I think, or maybe a little before that, it, we started getting an inflow here of, you know, better stuff, you know. Right. But you it, started from the bottom, though. Yeah. <laughs> now you're yeah. here. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, what so. about you, Elizabeth? Oh, growing up, it was kind of prevalent in my neighborhood that I grew mm-hmm. up. Um, so we really didn't have the negative connotation that a lot of people have growing yeah. up. My parents didn't use it or anything, mm-hmm. but they didn't, like, condemn people that yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when my brother used it a lot. I tried it probably three or four times, and I thought, eh, not really. Not your thing. Nah. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom had stopped a cop one time coming down the street, and she's, like, flagged him over, and he's like, can I help you? And she said, yeah, can you come look at something? And he walked up there, and there was this stuff growing in front of our front porch. Mm-hmm. And she's like is that marijuana? <laughs> he goes, it is. Oh, wow. Where did you get that? Uh-huh. So I kind of have a suspicion that it was my son. And he's like, well, you might want to dig it up. You might, you might be <laughs> right. It might be your son. Oh, wow. So wow. <laughs> it was kind of known in my household. Mm-hmm. And he didn't ever really get grounded or trouble for That's it. nice, though, that I feel like he could openly do that with your family, because oftentimes yeah, it's it really hard. It will, like, just, <laughs> it was like a known, a not talked about, but known thing. It was, right. So, um, that's kind of where I grew up with it. So, I never really tried it much at okay. all. And But I was around a lot of people. In fact, mm-hmm. our we had a neighborhood main distributor that I'd gone into his house a few times, and he'd had literally a whole living room probably... The size of this room stacked. Oh, wow. With blocks of it. Oh, wow. Because he was the main distributor. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's crazy. So that was kind of interesting to uh-huh. see. For know, sure. Just a friend of ours. And yeah. It's kind of a just an everyday thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> that no one knew about. No. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of my experience there. So what inspired you guys to start Flower of Life? 
Well, I considered moving to Colorado whenever they legalized it there uh, recreationally. You know, just I thought, man, this is an opportunity, right, to get into something I enjoy and, and do something fun. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we both are self-employed people. We've, I've been self-employed pretty much my whole adult life, and so she, most of her, you know, my adult life, or my childhood, they, mm-hmm. her and my dad were always self-employed. So, you know, it's, just, it's like something you like to do. Anytime that you can do something that you enjoy, that you love, that you're passionate about, right. and also make that your work. Like, that's a win-win, I right? know. Yes, it's can, it can be rare. Mm-hmm, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, the the contamination levels. Like, I became really concerned with that, like, you know, maybe five years before it legalized. Like, what's on this stuff? And it's a, it's, it's, if it's coming from California or Colorado illegally, is it because it failed testing there? Is it because it's God knows who grew it, how and where, you know? So... You know, that's what made me start growing personally was... Right. What, what, you could track it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's you know, and then you start hearing these stories about Eagle 20 and all these terrible things that get sprayed on it that are highly toxic, mm-hmm. and high, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not going to know it, you know, immediately, right? You're going to smoke this stuff for five or 10 years mm-hmm. and then, oh, I've got brain cancer. Where'd that come from? I don't know. Right. And that should not be coming from flower, like yeah. a natural medicine. plant that grows in the ground. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay, so just to break down the basics, what does like truly organic mean, and what is a pesticide? Mm. Yeah, and that's a big misnomer, right? Like mm-hmm. organic and pesticide-free are not the same thing. Yeah. Um, in food production, you know, it's not quite as big of a deal because there are organic pesticides like pyrethrins, uh, you know, like neem oil as a dactrin is used a lot. Um, and those are probably relatively safe when they're ingested in your gut. You know, like you're eating them, your body's got mechanisms to deal with these things, and they're probably not that dangerous, you know, these organic pesticides. They're definitely safer than your glyphosates and your your synthetic pesticides that are known carcinogens. Um, So that's great for food. But when you get into cannabis, the word organic gets thrown around just like crazy, right? Like, oh, it's a green plant, so it's organic. Everyone calls their stuff organic, too, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, organic's not even a good metric for cannabis because you're smoking it. You know, if, if it's an edible, you know, yeah, okay, maybe it, it falls more into that category because it's a, you know, food. But when you're smoking it, you're, it's straight straight to the bloodstream. Your body doesn't have those same mechanisms in the in the lungs and the bloodstream with the blood-brain barrier and everything to filter right. out some of these toxins. So it's really, really important. And I, I don't think organic is enough for smokables. I think it needs to be completely free of Pesticides, chemicals, et cetera. Yes, I, I would love that yes, and that agree really fully. Good, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So we know you guys take a lot of pride in growing with living soil, and we love that. Tell us a little bit about what growing with living soil means versus other ways to grow your cannabis. Yeah, I mean, you know, before it came here, before anyone knew much about it, when I was younger, and still probably to this day, a lot of people regard like hydro as the best, right? Or, or mm-hmm. oh, I got the, the really good hydro, and it's like, Okay, um, you know, and that's, it, it's like a lot of other things in this industry. That came more out of necessity of underground, growing in closets, mm-hmm. growing in, you know, discrete places. It's easy to set up a hydro grow, you know, it's easy to bring liquid nutrients in, you know, and, and move a grow if you need to. You could move a hydro setup real quick. It's more convenient, convenient. for most people right. who are even starting out, period. Mm-hmm. And you can get good results that way. You can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people do it right and it works, but. You're still using chemical salts as fertilizers. You're using synthetic inputs. You can't do it organically. Um, I mean, there's a way you could do aquaponics organically, which mm-hmm. involves fish and other things. But high, true hydroponics can't really be done organically because your, your systems, you know, get bacteria and mold in them, and it causes problems. So there has to be like a sterile environment where you're pumping in these liquid salt nutrients and whatnot. It's just, um, you know, I. We don't know what that does either with the, the salt buildups in the plant, right? So there's excessive amounts of nutrients that the plants can't handle, and they're just building up in the plants. Yeah. And, again, you're smoking that, and who knows, right? And you're taking away the plant's um, natural defense system. So the soil that that plant grows in is pretty analogous to our gut, right? Mm-hmm. Our gut is full of flora, microbiome, you know, all these things are living inside of us. And that's where our majority of our uh, – Nervous in our, uh, sorry. Um, uh, Cannab- endocannabinoid system. Yeah, the endocannabinoid system. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, our gut is our immune system. Immune, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing with a plant, right? That soil, that root ball, that 
mass that that plant is growing in is like its gut microbiome. That's its its immune system. It's part of it. Right. So you take that away, and the plants become very susceptible to mold, fungus, uh, you know, bugs, pests, etc. Because they're missing something, and so then you're forced to use these pesticides more often because. Beyond that, you also don't have a place for beneficials to live, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in a sterile concrete room with buckets and plants growing out of it. There's nowhere for soil-dwelling insects to live. There's nowhere for predators to live. They can live on the plant to a degree, but a lot of bugs, the life cycle involves soil. Like so, the whole the whole atmosphere, their right. little habitat, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and you're, you're trying to make an organic thing grow in a sterile environment, which is just not, in my opinion, it's just not the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, but everyone's got their own thing that they like to do. Right. It? Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah. With living soil. We have, we know another grower who we all, we love to, who they use living soil process. And so when we find growers who are like, who just use, use like, their flower. We know what that is. We know how clean <laughs> we know that how is. Good, so we love it. That's like almost top of the line. Would yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. And it also sustainability because like, I'm not having to bring in barrels of liquid nutrients and, you know, all these additives and whatnot. Like, we build our soil like it needs to be built in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We set up an ecosystem. We Love have that. plants that grow and digest into the back end of the soil mm -hmm. and, you know, reaffix nitrogen and whatnot. So the amendments that we have to add are very minimal. Like, I, okay. the first room that I built, I have never had to add anything to it. Wow. We've had, uh, what, maybe six, six runs out of that room. Wow. And I've never added anything other than, like, cover crop. I've added some various, mm -hmm. like, bean varieties or cover crop, insects. Um, I do add some microbial life. A few, there's a few organic microbial yeah. products I add to the soil, compost teas, but no liquid nutrients, no added, you know. So mm -hmm. it's, it's also more sustainable. It's also more cost-effective. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can imagine what a hydro grow, you know, a giant warehouse-sized facility that's bringing in, 325 gallon totes of liquid nutri nutrients, mm. you know, every month. Yeah. And it's just, it's more sustainable too. Right. That, that makes sounds, total yeah. sense. Yeah. So we know that you guys supply the consumer with prepackaged flour, which means that the jar hasn't been opened. It's never been opened after you put that, you know, say that eighth of bud in there. So why is that? Why do you guys do that? I think the biggest thing is we want to, Make sure when we sell it to a dispensary that we know our product is in that jar and it goes out to those people. It's not been touched or molested right. or mm -hmm. smelled or coughed on or sneezed on, yeah. anything like that. So it's clean right. because we took it there. And then a couple of good things about it for the consumer is that the we have the UR code on it. So no matter when they pull that up, if they snap it with their phone... It'll always have our lab reports, full lab reports. We want to be totally transparent and yes. show everything that's in it or not in it and exactly what it's about. And so that's always there. And then the glass is important because if you use plastic, the correct me if I'm wrong, but if the THC and the terpenes and stuff can stick to the sides and you lose from your product. And some of those terpenes can even dissolve plastics. Right. Wow. Yeah. wow. I didn't know that. Wow, that's I don't really think I did either. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's important to put it in glass because it doesn't do that. Yes. And then we also um, have a tamper resistant seal that goes on it besides a tamper, besides a child proof lid. Mm -hmm. um, so if it was open, the seal's going to be broken. And you would know. And we would know. And then we also put it into a box, and the box is biodegradable as well. We try to make everything kind of earth-friendly. Nice. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people reuse those jars, too. You know? Oh, they oh do. yeah. We hear patients so all the handy. time, and they, they're always like, we always use our uh, Flower of Life jars, and we're like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> so the box itself, um, over time and light, light can degrade the properties of the plant. Mm -hmm. So, like... Even in a dispensary, when they put them in a glass jar and they sit there day after day, exposed to light. Perfect temperature, perfect humidity, perfect environment for curing. So it's continuing to cure. It's not drying out, right. et cetera. And those Boveda packs that we put in there are 62%. So they're a little higher humidity than some people would like to smoke immediately. Mm -hmm. um, some of the feedback we've gotten is that if you buy it and pop that Boveda pack out and then just close it back up for a day, it dries out just a little bit. Some people like that crumblier, you yeah. know, easier mm -hmm. to break up. Some people like it more sticky. You know, it's it's just right. personal preference. Yeah. But, yeah. And so the the actual cardboard or the uh, 
paper box that it's in will keep, if you're taking it home, it keeps it hidden in the dark, which keeps mm. protecting it as yes. well. And if so it's on the shelf for a month, you know, it hasn't just been right. drying out and, and getting back baked. With yeah, you guys are doing yeah. it, all of that right in that sense. So yeah. it's, it, it's kind of mind-blowing that dispensaries wouldn't. We get a lot of that. Right. Well, I think it also has to do a lot with the Oklahoma patients that are very not, they're not educated on things like this. So like the dispensary side being a buttender when they're like, well, why would I buy prepackaged if I can't smell it? And I'm like, well, it's the art of it. It's the art of what you're getting to smoke and opening that jar, getting that first like whiff in your face. You know that nobody's messed with it. And especially yours personally. Exactly. Especially with nowadays, everyone being a little bit more cautious People are flocking to your product because they know it's not been tampered with and they know that what they get is they're the first ones to see it and touch it aside from when it's been put in the jar, which is super cool. Yes. Right? And when we're packaging it up, I mean, like we're hair nets, face masks, lab coats. Yeah. Like we're clean. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't want anyone to find anything that should be in there. <laughs> right, there. Yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. There's like a lot of care on that. We wear scrubs and or lab coats. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. We change gloves between strains. So if someone orders one strain, once mm-hmm. that strain's been packaged, gloves off. That's wow. awesome. Clean all the way back up again. We're really sterile. That is awesome. awesome. Anyone even who's listening to this episode too is probably like, I need to go, I need to get that. They're hopping on weed maps right now trying to figure out the closest place to find flower Because when you throw quality in people's faces like that and you break it down, it's it's hard to just be like, oh, I wouldn't try that or let me continue with what I'm doing. Because I feel like it makes you question your own routines or like it helps you think of the way you're buying it, what you should, you know? Mm -hmm. And the questions that you ask when you are purchasing it. Um, So I personally love your Pennywise B one-to-one strain because it helps me manage my pain and anxiety through the day without being really high. You guys are one of the first people to grow a quality one-to-one strain that I've personally heard of and seen. How long did it take you guys for, how long did it take for you guys to grow the strain and figure out the logistics of it? Oh man, I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) It's hard because I've grown strains that people are just like, oh, we don't want that. Or we don't, you know, I get here with these things. Dispensaries are so hard to deal with. Oh, yeah. Oh, no one wants that. And then two months later, they're like, where's this? Everyone wants that. And you're like, you were just fighting me on it two months ago. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I've had strains where I killed the mother. And then two months later, everyone's like, why'd you kill that? And I'm like, well, because you told me that you didn't want to buy it and it wasn't selling. And now you're, you know. You're listening so, to the feedback, right. yeah, which is good. Yeah. yeah. So with the one-to-one, it took a lot. We probably went through, I don't know, 10, 12 phenotypes of that wow. across. So we had, uh, I first got the Pennywise um, strain from, uh, what, that was a subcool strain. And we grew a bunch of Pennywise and none of it came out with, it, it was all THC. It was supposed to be a one-to-one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, right? And so I had this Harlegos strain that was Harlequin, which is a one-to-one-ish and Ghost Train Haze, which is a high THC, and none of those came out, like, with a real yes. balanced mix, right? So we crossed, I had some of the Pennywise that was a dominant CBD, because we also ended up with some that was all CBD, no THC. And so we crossed that with the, the Harlow Ghost, and we had to test at least six phenos of that, and out of those six phenos, wow. two were a one-to-one-ish, wow. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that most recent one that we put out was the winner, and, um, but then I, I didn't replant it because, you know, dispensaries were fighting us on what's too low. A T- we get to too low a THC battle all the time. Right. Yeah. No, THC is not high enough. People only want the highest THC. That's not everybody. I mean, unless you, that's goes back to education. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not all about the highest THC you can get when you're buying flour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and my goal in the beginning was to have a one-to-one because mm-hmm. I'm really into it for the brain health of it. Yes. The anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. and just the balanced without just being absolutely. so high that you, I mean, nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely like, not. But yeah. like, as a like, medical patient, yes, you are I'm looking for those. Yeah. And so that was really important to me. And it was ex- one of the most exciting moments Oh, it's me. it was it's <laughs> like your baby such right a good there. You <laughs> worked so hard. So you... You can't find that unless you roll a joint with mm-hmm. CBD and, you know, t- but you don't find a pretty balanced one-to-one strain. Yeah. I, I've not seen one come through and I've been in the market for a year and a half. Yeah. So to say that you guys did that, that's a really big accomplishment, I feel like. Yeah. So unfortunately, really awesome. I, I didn't plan it. I didn't. Uh, so I still, it'll be like early next year before we have it available again because yeah. we plan, you know, mm-hmm. these things happen four months in advance. 
So by the time people are giving me feedback that they want it, yeah. it's like, okay, well, in four months we'll have. Yeah, well, <laughs> so at least it's is, coming back, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not, which kind of leads like to my next question. So we know that you guys have discontinued strains before that were really popular amongst patients, kind of like what you were saying, like Night Terror, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. What goes in the process of like deciding whether or not a strain will be discontinued? And do you guys like have a backup strain for the one that's dropped or? Mm-hmm. It's hard because people don't realize that the, the phenotype difference among seeds, right? Mm-hmm. So I plant six night terror seeds, and they are significantly different from each other. The terpenes, the cannabinoids, everything. So mm-hmm. it's pheno hunting takes forever. Because you can imagine, mm-hmm. if you want to reproduce genetics, you've got to have genetic identical you know, material. Right. So you plant six plants, you've got to flower them. But before you flower them, you've got to take clones of all of them and keep, you know, plant those and keep those alive. So mm-hmm. now you have these six plants alive while you're flowering these others, which takes two months of flowering. And then you've got, for us anyway, six weeks of drying and curing. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we get that tested, we've had to keep these other six plants alive now for three or four months. And then it's like now we know which one is good. So now we've got that one, and we've got to start all over again with that one. Okay. So you can imagine having to do that for every single strain you carry is really mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, especially well, to, to keep, keep consistency with. of the brand that you yeah. guys have created mm-hmm. so that patients don't get like – one batch of night terror and then a different batch and they're like, well, exactly. why, which we, that's happened to us with other growers where we carried nine pound and within literally one batch difference, yeah. one of our patients was like thinking about death and we were like, whoa, whoa. like, okay, <laughs> rewind. Like what, what's the problem here? And so it's, it's cool that you guys do that. And it's nice to know as a consumer, the reasoning as to why, because we know it's for good reasons. Yeah, we know it's for good yeah. reasons. Not just like, oh, they just they just felt like it, which which most people yeah. think, you know, mm-hmm. when they're just like, why they don't know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which goes into kind of leads into my next question. So, um, how much time goes into selecting the strains you're choosing to grow in the future, and is it a, is it a team effort amongst you guys? Yeah, her Pennywise was her pick. Um, she picked all those um, the, the CBD strains that we kind of tried to mingle and mix with each other. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of a team effort. Nathan, uh, my buddy that works with us, he's, you know, we kind of just throw stuff out there and yeah. sticks. And then in the beginning, it was just random. And now we've mm-hmm. kind of been trying to hone it in based off what people are asking for. It seems like people are that's more good. indica, um, you know, wanting that. Yeah. That's a weird thing, too, with the whole indica. Well, and yes. so, yeah, like, as you say that, it's funny, because as I said, like, when patients come in, obviously, Bruce Banner is just kind of like a known sativa. And you guys had just released an amazing Bruce Banner. Um but when people come in wanting to buy certain things, I'm always like, oh, you know, they're not indica sativa specific because it's a how, how it affects your body, which is true. Because, I mean, I'll have sativas that, well, sativas only affect me like sativas and indicas give me anxiety. But I've had like, you know, I have one where it's affected me like the other. And I have patients who tell me that all the time. So mm-hmm. they love they love being open to that, which I think is really cool. Um but yeah, that's really awesome. Indica sativa is really a better description of how the plant grows. Yes. Like they're a bush mm-hmm. or they're a tree. Yeah. You know? And it's like some are in the middle. Some like to have these, like I call them spaghetti branches. Where <laughs> they have no strength whatsoever. Yeah. They branch out real nicely. Mm-hmm. They, they trellis nicely. Some of them grow like little trees and you can hardly bend those branches and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. wood. But, right. But, you know, it's just... It's really more better. It's better describing that than it is yeah. the effects you're going to get out of it. Yes, I, I agree with that. I feel like that indica sativa thing, just like in the industry period, I feel mm-hmm. like people really still hold on to that. But mm-hmm. then there's people who are like, uh, I'm not really. They go, let me see the testing. I feel like I know more really than determine that. What I think terpenes are so important. Yeah. As important as the THC level. Yes, if yes. not more important because right. THC doesn't determine everything, which no. we've, we've learned that. And I feel like... And correct me if I'm wrong, I also feel like how you grow the flower and how clean you grow it also determines how strong it'll smoke. So like, because I've smoked stuff that's like, I don't know, less than 17% and that's grown really, really clean. And then I've smoked stuff that's 25% and it didn't, the effects weren't the same. So mm-hmm. do you, would you would you say that that's accurate? We have. We've heard that. Okay. Um, we've heard that from... Uh, bud tenders that we've met with and we've mm-hmm. heard it from patients that contact us. We have so many patients that keep contact with us and who, where can I go get this? Where can we do this? And <laughs> we keep pinning people that carry our product mm-hmm. so that they know where to get it because there's not a lot of really clean 
Mm-hmm. Laura. I, yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. this for a fact, but I wonder sometimes if that goes back to the, the method of growing. So yeah. like, if you're pure hydro and maybe those plants were slightly deficient in something or they're, they just sometimes possibly seem to be missing some aspect of the terpenes or the, maybe the, and there's, they're coming out with new cannabinoids like every month. Yeah. Or, you know, so often that, oh, we didn't know this existed. It could be doing something, mm-hmm. which is in the beginning, it was so enlightening to me because I, you know, testing was new to us when I first started, you know, we'd grown, you know, we'd had stuff in the past and it's like, now we can test it and actually see what's in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you grow these two strains and they're both the exact same amount of THC with pretty much the same cannabinoids, but they affect you completely differently. Mm-hmm. Which is just, so crazy. It is. It's and so crazy. It's like real life. It's like when people compare growing cannabis to like children, I feel like it's so true because everyone has its own like DNA and like genetic and no, like, I mean, even with siblings, no siblings are the same. It's uh-huh. like they're completely different, which is really cool and also very complex. <laughs> Yes, I can imagine. So Elizabeth, you're, um, you're passionate about cannabis aiding with Alzheimer's, right? Okay. Brie had mentioned, mentioned that to us previously. Um, it's not something that we've talked about in depth here on our podcast yet, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I've really got involved in Alzheimer's because I have a lot of Alzheimer's in my family. Okay. On my dad's side and on my mom's side. My dad had died with Alzheimer's at he lived with me till he passed because I wanted to take care of him. Yeah. Didn't want to put him in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandmother, my my mom's mom, had died with Alzheimer's too. And um, so I started really researching it and getting involved in uh, raising awareness and money for Alzheimer's. And I actually convinced my two sisters to we've donated our bodies to science with Alzheimer's. Okay. Oh wow! <laughs> so we actually go every two years and have all kind of different tests ran. Um, trying to find a cure. Yeah. And throughout my research, um, starting back in like 06 when I really started researching it, uh, I had found actual medical studies from medical journals. So I don't, when I do my research study on the brain, Alzheimer's particularly, um, I don't look at just magazines. I look at actual medical research because Magazines can say anything. Just like (laughs) the media, the news. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I go to the source. And what has been over and over since 06, study that I'd found um, up until a recent one like two years ago, is that they have found that the THC, CBD has been a very good one for anti-inflammatory. And kind of Alzheimer's is an anti-inflammatory disease. And also in the brain with Alzheimer's happening, there is amyloid plaque and tau tangles that happen in the brain. Mm -hmm. And what they've found recently is that it also helps the the tau, which is the tangles. But they had learned early as like 2012, I think, that um, the smoking, this was funny, Mm -hmm. one puff, which my puff on a (laughs) is way different than some people's puffs. Right. But the way that they described it, it was one puff um, per day Mm -hmm. was showing a significant difference in slowing uh, the plaque buildup in brains. Oh, wow. Was this like a specific strain you're talking about? They didn't didn't go into what strain it was or how it was grown, um, but it was a a natural type thing, so it wasn't anything Mm. added to Mm -hmm. them. um, Because, again, if you start adding carcinogens to it, it could add... Right. Yeah. So you just knew it was the cannabis right. plant. Right, they grew it to where it's, you know, unadulterated. Yeah. It's natural. Mm-hmm. And so um, they didn't say what strain or anything, but the, just the THC itself with the CBD um, combined even made a bigger impact than just with CBD or THC alone. So that was significant. So the, the joint venture of them being together as a full plant is even more beneficial. And... With the tangles um, that Alzheimer's people get uh, up in your brain, it just starts getting all messed up. And so uh, it has slowed that as well. So there's very good promise to it with it. If we could ever get it in the United States, because most of your uh, research you find is not in the United States. Mm -hmm. If we can get it legal here, reclassify it, then I think that we have a really good chance of either curing Alzheimer's with it, which we're not to that point. But it is shown progress in slowing it. And right. it also helps with uh, Alzheimer's people's 
agitation and um, anxiety. Uh, Alzheimer's people get what they call sundowners, where they're at night they're wondering, where do I go? I need to go somewhere, and they just mm-hmm. aren't settled with herself. And it's been known that when they use it, mm. wow. um, it actually settles them down. Wow. That's wow. So, That's so beautiful. Yeah. Any, so, like, awesome. a patient who, so if someone has Alzheimer's and you were trying to guide them, like, what, if this person has, like, never smoked before, mm-hmm. you know, and say they're an elderly person, like, how do you, how would you ease them into that? Well, unfortunately, um, the research that's been done has been on smoking it, but mm-hmm. they're saying that just the combination of the two. So I know that when you process the flour, it changes some different components. So it's really kind of maybe not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the valid research that's out there right now is on smoking it. But I don't know. Myself, I think that probably still, you know, can go with the process par- properties yeah. as well. Right. Um, Probably so, full spectrum, ideally, right? Like okay. Full spectrum. Extract, that's yeah. that's one thing that a we had done with the extract that we had uh, made is uh, MCT oil, which is a coconut, you know, oil. People know it more as coconut oil. Um, with by itself is an anti-inflammatory, and it's good for the brain. So uh, people can use MCT oil or coconut oil in their coffee or however, mm-hmm. and it's beneficial to them. So what we've done is we've combined the two. And it's made it even better. Better, right? That's awesome. That's, that's encouraging. That's for, really cool to hear too, because I feel like it's we don't, exciting. It's very exciting. You for, read about these things, but you don't really hear people talking about them because mm-hmm. there's not enough research. So to hear you talk about that is really cool. Just to give insight on what other avenues cannabis can hit that have not even really been reached yet. Right. You know, and you know, cancer is really important. You know, to find a cure for that yes. and, and help for that, one hundred percent. I've got cancer in my family as well. Mm-hmm. But um, Alzheimer's kills uh, more people every year than prostate cancer and breast cancer combined. Wow. It's the sixth largest uh, killer Wow! in the United States. I don't think I knew that. It's a that. Terrible, wow. terrible way to go. It's a terrible yeah. way to go. You know, uh, yeah. you get to a certain point, you don't remember people. You don't remember who it's you just, are. It's just very it's sad. It's really sad. It is. Mm-hmm. So it's important, and, and it's really exciting that, that we're legal for cannabis and where we can maybe at least help them, if not cure it, yeah. to make it easier as they go. Yeah, I'm like, how would you go about that, like, in nursing homes, you know? Like, coming in <laughs> and being like, hey, I'm a cannabis nurse, and <laughs> yeah. I'm here to help your Alzheimer's patients, and I have some flour for them to smoke. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? That would like, be so That awesome. is, like, a dream. Like, it is. Yeah. That, because it's like, how do you how do you do that? Like, because you can start with your Alzheimer's, like, your family who has it, and, like, you can be like, hey, mom, like, here, please try this. But then, like, I feel like people who have Alzheimer's, a lot of them are in a nursing home. Right. You know, it's like, how do you, you know... Get to zone those right zoning on those people who have a preconceived stigma or this or that in their head you know that could really actually be like saving them I think that comes with education yeah and um, showing the research and the data um, I think that's like key number one is yes to, to realize it's a, it's a natural medicine I mean we're so into oh a chemical made medicine that can have other bad effects like yeah. suicide and right. all these other yeah that they give you a minute on the TV to know. make sure here's the side effects <laughs> yeah. a minute worth. worth of side yeah, right. like I probably don't want to take that if right. there's a minute long of side effects for me to listen yeah. to exactly so I think that it's important even for some people especially if they know they have Alzheimer's in their background to start using it I mean personal opinion I mean, absolutely I'm not a nothing, yeah it's like if you start using it now and if it really does preventive the tangles or the plaque mm-hmm. why not start why not and they have shown that people that have started that used it unknowingly about mm-hmm. alzheimer's but they had used it uh their history shows that they used it back when they were younger starting at 16 and older wow. have a less chance uh of oh getting wow alzheimer's. that was pretty mind-blowing that That's is mind-blowing very mind-blowing yeah well, i'm glad we're using cannabis I know. <laughs> glad you started at 16 <laughs> Wow, that's encouraging and that, inspiring. Yeah, that's and then, you know, very neat. You know, if you if you equate that with alcohol use, which mm. actually shrinks your brain, and, you know, it, it, growing up, he and I had a battle over alcohol. Right? Mm. It was like he thought I was the devil of alcohol. You yeah, know? Mm. and I was like, my you background. Don't want me to have any fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what he used to say, you know. And I'm like, no, because my a couple of my degrees are psychology and sociology. Okay, and 
so I learned about the brain. And mm-hmm. at that point, the brain, when I was in school, the brain hadn't been fully developed until you're 25. So why kill your brain cells now? Right. You stop right. it. You know, you need right. those. Yeah, and you do need those. And and that's it, not what you want to hear whenever you're no. 18. Don't you know. 21 and you just and, are legally allowed to drink. Mom, you're killing my vibe. Right. So <laughs> you're pushing the vibe. Yeah. And I was anti alcohol because I knew what it did to you. The cool yeah. thing is you weren't anti-cannabis. No. Yeah. And like that, that was something that like, <laughs> talk about that. right, there you go. Until but then, now. But then you have parents who are against know, both and it's, there's no, there's no like whip your butter ground you for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So it's, you know, alcohol's so accepted whereas mm. cannabis isn't. Why is, yeah, that's like, why isn't cannabis when I feel like alcohol is more, almost more dangerous. It is. You that's know? why we're here. That is exactly why we're here. So Jeff, you know a lot about the cana- whoa, about the cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome. Am I saying that right? Cannabinoid hyperemesis. Yes. We've never heard of that before, so drop some knowledge. Tell us what that is. It's a strange thing. So if you Google it now, if you search for it now, there's a lot of information. About I, I Googled it and I was reading it and I was like, what? About yeah. like vomiting and like... Well, emesis just means it's just a, a medical term for vomiting. Yeah, right? okay. So it's basically True. the name of the ailment just is cannabinoid-induced mm-hmm. hyper-vomiting. Like, so it does affect people and people need to know it's real. Whenever it, it actually affected me, right? So okay. it, it, there seems to be a subset of people who are genetically predisposed to it. And those people probably have, like myself, probably have some genetic predisposition where we're not clearing it out of our bodies as fast. So there's a toxic buildup over time. So as you know, you know, cannabis is known to have an anti-emetic effect, so an anti-nausea, anti-vomiting effect. Well, those CB1 receptors in your gut that are uh, med- you know, mediating that uh, anti-emetic effect, the theory is, because they don't know, because there's no research on any of this stuff, because, you know, it's illegal, so we don't even research it or look into it, even though, like, 60% of the population does it. Yes, um, which makes a lot of crazy. sense. Right? <laughs> but basically, it, it, they think that it's overstimulating those CB1 receptors in your gut, and it's causing, basically, like, it's it's terrible. It's the most terrible thing I've ever gone through. I've gone through it twice, oh. and it's awful. So, like, the first time I was, um, so was it 2016? Oh, it was uh, your senior year at OU. Yeah, so 2014, 2014, I got really sick, and I'd been sick off and on for like a year, and I didn't know what it was, you know, vomiting here and there, and like waking up sick, and you know, I was pushing through my last year at OU and engineering school, and it was really rough, and so um, basically at the end of that, I got so sick that I couldn't, I mean, you're just vomiting 12, 15, 20, 30 times a day. Oh, wow. Nothing stops it, no drugs stop it, no pain meds stop it, nothing stops it. You're presenting to the ER over and over again, and they just think that you're drug-seeking after a point, even though the drugs don't do anything. Like, I don't care what you give me. Nothing helps. He took the strongest Dilaudid. Yeah, which is which like is... 10 times stronger than morphine. That doesn't help. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. All of the, uh, you know, undanistrone and Zofran and all those high-grade uh, anti-emetics do nothing. And back when it happened to me in 2014, there was no information on the Internet. It was like a very unknown thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try to <clears> – <throat> so doctors didn't know. They took out my gallbladder. They didn't. They thought that was it. It wasn't. Then they wanted to do another oh, surgery wow. where they were going to, like, cut my aorta because they thought my aorta was, like, wrapped around my intestine or something, and it was causing, like, a strangulation of it. And so we were, like, this close to them cutting my aorta, right, and redirecting it. Oh, my it. gosh, that's so scary. Yeah, and then she was able to get a hold of a doctor. She had been calling doctors all over the world trying to figure out some – because it's been a year, and I'd lost, like, 60 pounds. Oh, wow, oh, wow. And, and he know, was not overweight. He was in fit, fit. Condition. It was just, mm, yeah, wow. it was bad. And um, so finally, after seeing every doctor and specialist here in the state, she got us into the Mayo Clinic. So she drove me up to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. We see this doctor up there. He asked me to start from the beginning. I'm telling everything I do. I tell him how it started. You know, it's gone on for a year or so. It comes in and bouts and here and there, and then it goes away, and then it comes back. The showers. Right? Tell him the hot showers. Hot showers. Like, the only way you get relief is you get in a shower, and you turn hot water on full blast with no cold, and you blast the back of your head. And hmm. something about that stimulates the hypothalamus and gives you, wow. like, momentary relief. You get relief for, like, 30 minutes maybe, hmm. but it's worth it. And you end wow. up taking, like, 10 hot, 20 hot showers a day. Right. So if there's anyone out there that's vomiting, sick mostly in the mornings, the predermal phase, it's basically just you're sick in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get better throughout the day and it goes away. And, of course, you know, being a longtime user of cannabis, you think, oh, I'm feeling nauseous and I feel like shit. I'm going to 
smoke some weed. Yeah. weed, yeah. And so then you end up getting in this negative feedback cycle where you're making yourself sicker and sicker because you're smoking more and more, trying to yeah. make yourself feel better. And it hmm. momentarily makes you feel better when you smoke it because you're like, oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. And so anyway, you end up in this path where you get in this cyclical thing, and then you can, I mean, you could theoretically die from it because you're becoming so dehydrated from vomiting and not being able to keep water down that, you know, you end up having to go to the ER multiple times a week to get IV fluids just because you're, you can't keep enough fluids down to stay alive. And anyway, so we go to the Mayo Clinic, and I tell this doctor, start to finish the whole story, and he basically just looks very unimpressed and unastounded. Mm. And he was like, I want you to read this. And he turns his little computer screen around, and I read this abstract from a study on the screen of his computer. And it's like everything that's happened to me Identical. to the T. Identical. Oh, wow. Like, verbatim. And he was like... Um, do you use cannabis? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, when's the last time you used? And I was like, 6.30 this morning. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, uh, that's what it is. It's like, and I was like, you just got to stop. And I was like, really? Oh, no. And he was like, yeah. And, you know, you're like, I don't believe you. You know, this is crazy. I'm about to die. And you're just mm-hmm. telling me it's just because I'm smoking weed. Right. Right. So the sickness will carry on for like another week uh, while you're quitting. You know, so I, I still was miserable for about a week. But I quit that day. In 2014, and within two weeks, I was 100% normal. With, or not 100%, I was probably I was normal as like function, but I didn't feel great. And then after a month, I was 100%, like gone. Wow. So I stopped using for three months, or three years, sorry. So from 2014 to 2017, I didn't use once. And I was completely healthy, never had a problem. Wow. And so wow. I had these theories like, oh, maybe it's pesticides, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's heavy metals. Interesting. Maybe it's, right, something like that. So... That's right about the time we legalized here. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to grow the cleanest weed on earth. Yeah. Prove that it's not cannabis. I'm a walking testimony right now. So crazy. (laughs) And then I grew the cleanest weed on earth and I smoked it for two years and then I got sick again. (laughs) Oh, no. So So it is a cannabinoids for sure okay so <laughs> so right now you're like you are not a consumer at the moment i stopped about was it a month or so ago mm-hmm. i got sick like two months ago Dang. and i knew what it was when it started so i stopped immediately and it wasn't quite as bad as it was the first mm-hmm. time i had to go to one of these walk-in iv clinics twice in a week and like get my some iv pay for iv Dang. fluids because yeah. I, I knew what it was and i was like i'm not gonna go to the er because they're yeah you know. so i just went to the iv clinic and sweated it out for like a week and I felt better and I haven't used since and it's, it's gone. So is it just one of those things like, is it always going to be that way for your body? Um, why? So I guess I'm trying to wrap my mind around like, I how does it, this happen to people? And like, it sounds kind of rare. It's very rare. The only people that get it are people who are habitual daily users for multiple years. Right. So it has probably something to do with a toxic buildup, like a yeah. two, just your body just isn't. Like, is it how it. much you're smoking each and day that's for also years? The thing, right. So for that first year, I started smoking again. I, I probably didn't use very much. And then this year, particularly, you know, with the, the Rona and all this yeah. terrible crap going on, it's been a stressful year. I was definitely overusing, definitely ramped hmm. up over the last six or eight months. Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably what. That's but interesting. You know, I thought I have, which I don't want him to go try again to experiment on himself. <laughs> but um, 100%, I'm, I, I don't nag a lot about a lot of things, but mm-hmm. one thing I nag anybody I ever know about is water, 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 yes. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Dehydration is good for your brain. I mean, bad for your brain. Mm-hmm. So hydration is good for your brain. Mm-hmm. I'm a brain person. So yes. drink water. And yes. you should at least drink Half your body weight in ounces a day, minimum. And Mr. Drink Coffee all day over here. Um, it's water. Didn't drink. <laughs> so, you know, my question is, okay. my hypothesis is maybe part of it is because you're I not flushing it. It's, yeah. I see where you're going yeah, with that. Yeah, no, I totally, and I totally see that. I overconsumed two weeks ago on, and it was, I normally always eat 50 milligrams and I had 50 milligrams thinking it wasn't going to do anything for that next two days after I had a migraine, because anytime I overconsume, it gives me migraines hmm. and I felt super dehydrated. And no matter how much water I drank, I felt like I couldn't catch up. So I, you're usually right. <laughs> I think people just need to be aware that it's not a hundred percent harmless or risk free. Yeah. There right. are mm-hmm. things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Overindulging in anything Yes. You know, right. right. Yeah. And I do believe that if I hadn't overindulged, you know, and I just was a moderate user, you know, here and there mm-hmm. or just, at, you know, once a day or on the weekends, I don't think that's ever going to happen to you. But because every person I've ever seen, talked to or read about that's had it, it's their habitual daily Jesus. long-term. Use. Did you ever get adjusted by a chiropractor during I have this time? Off and on. Um, 
I work for a chiropractor. This is why I'm asking that because I know the immune <laughs> I system. I my chiropractor. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and and tried that once. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's. I think once you get to that point, you're mm-hmm. you just got to reset. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and then it's like, well, do you really even want to? Like, I don't know. It's. it's I, I know. Deal. Yeah. But to all those internet trolls out there that have been fighting me for the, like the last couple of years, <laughs> screaming that it doesn't exist, it's not a real illness. I must work for the anti weed lobby. And I'm <laughs> Shut down the internet water. trolls never right. stop. <laughs> it's a real thing. It does yeah. exist. Yeah. And it's not, you know, a lot of people like myself mm-hmm. on Reddit and stuff, there's huge stuff. There's a whole subreddit on it, threads yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. And if people like myself speculate, like, oh, it's the neem oil. It's the azadraptin. You know, if you drink too, if you drink neem oil, it'll make you vomit and violently ill the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a case study where a guy accidentally drank azadraptin and it did this to him. And, like, so there's all these theories on the internet that I was subscribing to myself thinking it's as a director and it's mm-hmm. neem oil. It's maybe it's heavy metals because cadmium poisoning can present the same way, but I know it's not. Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. I know, um, a guy actually who, for, so from you telling me all this, it's making, it makes sense now because I knew a guy who was having those issues mm-hmm. and he was throwing up all day in the mornings, like mm-hmm. couldn't get it right. He went to the hospital. The doctor told him it was because he was smoking too much weed. And we were all like, mm-hmm. no, no, that, yeah. that should be helping you. And so like, now that you're saying this, I'm like, holy shit, that it's, it has to be what you're talking about because it, I haven't heard anything else. Well, he had a yeah. friend that his wife had been presenting yeah. with the same stuff and Jeff kept telling him. I've been telling him for 10 years that's what it was and they didn't believe me. And finally, mm-hmm. now the doctors are thankfully becoming aware of it. Yeah. So like the doctors weren't aware of it in 2014. They weren't aware of it in 2018. Mm-hmm. But now you go to an ER here in Oklahoma presenting with those symptoms, they're going to tell you, oh, it's cannabinoid hyperemesis. You're overindulging. You're, you've, you've overloaded your body. And people don't want to believe them. And yeah, it's because it's, I, I it's, it's a hard thing to come. It's such a hard thing to come to terms with, mm-hmm. you know, because it's something that you like. First of all, you're growing it. That's right. your like passion. But once you're but, living it, and yeah. then like you were totally better after like abstaining from it. Like, I mean, that speaks right. for itself. Yeah, yeah. So, just to flip the script a little bit, what would you both say is your favorite strain that you have grown, and what what would you say that patients have loved the most? Well, personally, it's the Pennywise. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> the one-to-one. It's awesome all around. It's no negative, no negative to it at all. Um, and I enjoyed growing it because it was it was a process to get there. Yeah. So to come out and see it, the end result yes. is, is like, a, this is my baby. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Even, even the Penny Ghost, which ended up kind of in the same crossover, but is a different pheno that came out yeah. of it because we did it. Um, by seeds, obviously, mm-hmm. so seeds can be different. Even the penny ghost was exciting because it was like so good, amazing, so good. Mm-hmm. The penny ghost was amazing. I haven't. I don't think I've tried penny. You ghost. haven't, it, and I'm gonna have yeah, to now. I have both, don't worry. What yeah. about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm proud of the Bruce Banner. Like I'm really proud of it, just because it's like it's a ideal looking, smelling consistency. The numbers are what everyone wants. You know, mm-hmm. over three to four percent terps. Over 26.7 THC, one or two CBD. It's a nice, I'm really proud of that one. Um, but personal favorite, I, I do, I really, really regret getting rid of the night hair. Um, I will enjoy that. The, uh, what I remember the most about the night hair is after you exhale, like the, you get that piney. Yes, you know, just I know exactly what you're talking pine about. Yes. Aftertaste, and I love that. And nothing else I've grown has had that. Um, so I'm going to bring that back. I've got more. Um, seeds of that. Okay, that's exciting yes. to hear. It's going to be another process. <laughs> the fans are excited. Of, right, it's <laughs> a long process, but, you know, in the future. Yeah, that's I, something I do that... remember all of the, the phenos of that one have that piney, you mm. know, like... I love piney. It's great, yeah. Mm. Um, so we talk a lot on this podcast about stigmas. What is something you both would like to see changed in regards to breaking stigmas when it comes to cannabis? I mean, the... Just really the legalization just has to go because it's it's like we can't even do the proper research on it. It's true. We don't even know what chemicals are actually affecting us. We know two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. kind of have a vague idea of terpenes now. But, man, I just wish it could just be studied openly so that we could really learn everything there is to learn about it. It's such a complex, dynamic thing, and it's like we've barely scratched the surface and, you know... There's so much more to learn. I that's a good, no one has yeah. said that answer yet when we've really asked them, answer. but that's like the root of everything. It, <laughs> it really is. It is. And they've found a new 
part of THC. It's called THCP, I think, the letter P. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're thinking that that's going to have uh, as much or more profound effect as the THC Delta 9. Wow. So it's very, very new. You can't mm. find much at all. You have to really dig deep to even find one article on it. Oh, but wow. But it's up and coming, and, and they're fine. You know, and, and with the way that our testing labs are here, they're not testing for it, so we don't even know. I have no idea, yeah. But, Which mm-hmm. may explain why you've t- smoked those 13% flowers that are amazing. Yeah. Right? Because right? mm-hmm. there's something else there. Right. Definitely. There has to be something else but there. But the stigma of, oh, you got to still kind of feel guilty mm-hmm. for using right. it. Right. Yes. Like... Um, some people I know that have a license are like, don't tell nobody I've got it. <laughs> and I'm like, I have family members who are like, can you get me this? Can you get me that? I'm like, it's your medical card. It's okay. Yeah. You go to Walgreens and you get your prescriptions mm-hmm. through the right. drive-thru and you're not ashamed because there's 20 people behind you. Right. So let's go. Let's get over that statement. Yeah. Yes, I definitely um, Well, guys, I think this is like wrapping up our episode here. Um, we really enjoy talking to you guys and you guys know so much and yes. it's so fun to talk to people who have like a lot of knowledge and especially that we don't know because I learned so much just from the both of you so thank you for all of that and just for being here today yes we really appreciate you guys thank you for having us it was pretty exciting to come and let people know what we have found yes and it's really (laughs) cool just hearing the I mean we know how beautifully you guys curate your product but just hear all the time effort like thought process it takes is i mean we really appreciate yeah it. just with your brand and yeah, then hearing it's that awesome. it's a full circle so yeah, thanks, thanks for being here guys thanks for having us it's really great to talk to people who are also because i mean we cater to the weed nerds and yeah um, yes you know a lot of people don't care about some of these things so it's it's, it's fun to have yeah. good passionate conversations yeah. about yes, it so absolutely. that's why we're here but anyways guys stay tuned for next episode next week's episode <laughs> of the cannabis hangout and as always sub stay medicated thank you Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.